Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. Welcome to Thriller Bitcoin. fixes always touching things up polishing yeah. stuff like that but like i'm still new in the process so i'm seeing what Just it's really mind. like yeah, yeah. seeing what it's really like to like you know deliver end user apps at scale that you know are released across multiple platforms it's a lot of just infrastructure really dude stuff because it's just all because of the uh the credit card side of it is it more that side or is it more just the app itself I don't have to go into detail, but just like, like where, what part is it at? Is it just on what the side that you deal with or is it more? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't deal with, of course, there's a bunch of infrastructure and regulation and stuff that comes with just letting people use money, trade money in an app. So there's a lot there, but just from the app side, like releasing the Apple, like Apple, they have their own ecosystem that's closed, right? Mm -hmm. Like all of the apps on Apple they have to go through their centralized Apple developer platform essentially to be released. And so, yeah, like even if you have all this infrastructure to like auto release your app, every update, like on Android, which Android gives you full control. If you're on Apple, you're always kind of going by their rules. So they can literally stop. They can literally stop the process of like updating the app or whatever they see fit kind of thing. Do they explain the rules? Inside uh, of their, like, I'm sure they have some kind of, like, guideline set, right? Or are they just, like... Yeah, there's a lot of rules and guidelines. And honestly, I don't really know all of them. Um, yeah. But it's, like, they have their, you know, like, community guidelines and stuff like that. Like, you couldn't release an app that maybe, like, a year ago, you couldn't release an app that maybe was giving medical information that wasn't with the consensus of oh, what everyone shit, else was, right? right? So there's oh, those yeah, kinds right. of bottlenecks where you're going to have people seemingly who can look over your, your app, look over your stuff before it's released. But it's mainly just, it's their platform. It's how they do things. Um, and you don't really have full control. And it's like, do you want access to all the people with iPhones or not? And it's just like, who can turn that down? I remember when I was a, uh 
interviewing Oscar last year, um, he had mentioned, this was like when Fountain was like still kind of growing out. Mm-hmm. I think they had just raised and he kind of told me the same thing. Like, like uh, I think the, the, the barriers that Apple put in place, he had to do like the, I don't know if you've seen Fountain, but they have like the, where you pay in, or you pay for like uh, access to the platform without actually contributing lightning or whatever, like through boost or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but he was saying that the reason that had, he had to do that was because, and sorry, Oscar, if I get this wrong, but I, the reason he had to do that was uh, they had, they had give him, gave him something. And then it was like, literally he was trying to work around their kind of convoluted guidelines uh, to like satisfy them uh, without getting like kicked off. Right. Yeah. And it was like, it was like a tit for tat kind of thing. At least that's what I remember. Um, but it's interesting how you kind of have to appease a certain group of people that have access to like a bazillion phones um, yeah. at this point. This is why I like decentralization. It's just like, this is why I keep hitting home, dude. I'm like Bitcoin hardware, man. Like we just need to start making our own phones, start making our own wallets. Like, do I have to do it? Like, do I have to go physically make a phone for like somebody else to start doing it too? Like, yeah. like what is it? Like, what is it going to take for us to do this? Yeah. I mean, it's going to be a lot, but it, I mean, yeah, like th- this is an example, but just everything that's been happening with tornado cash recently and how yeah, GitHub, explain that, explain that dude. Cause uh, it was Ethereum, right? Y- yeah. Tornado cash is essentially, it's a free open source project on Ethereum. That is uh, it's a mixing service like Whirlpool or something like that to, you know, obfuscate your identity, to try and disconnect your identity to your particular address. Um, or I don't know if Ethereum has UTXOs, but like, you know, that's the example in <laughs> to Bitcoin. Their, to, like, to their, uh, I guess it would be Infura, right? Like that's what they use for their, um, I don't know. It's some bullshit. Yeah. I don't know. We would have they to get an ETH expert yeah, yeah. Right. in here. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's just to disconnect your identity from your coins essentially. And so obviously it's, it's a service that anyone should be able to have access to. And uh, Tornado Cash has been running for a while, but then the, the U.S. government put it on their sanctions list and start sanctioning it. And what's so weird is that since it's not a company, you know, it's literally software, they're sanctioning no one. They're sanctioning characters that live in yeah. GitHub. And then, and so this is, goes to the centralization thing, GitHub, they delete the project from GitHub. They um, delete the develop, the, like the lead developer who made it, they delete his account from GitHub. And then they delete all the contributors accounts who contributed to Tornado Cash. And so like, that's a pretty big deal because most of the code in the world kind of lives on GitHub. Not but isn't it owned by Microsoft, though? Yes. Yeah, and but it's a little convoluted because GitHub is actually built on Git, and Git is an open protocol for basically version control or just you know how do you handle changes coming from different people all to the same app? Um, and yeah, that's been an open protocol, but it's just like all this stuff. It it starts. And it's the same thing, the Apple developer thing, like it starts with, we build these open protocols and these open standards in order to get everyone on the same page so that we can, you know, be more productive and not bump into each other. Just like with money, you know, if we're bartering, we're trading, 
you know, my sheepskin for your food or whatever. Uh, like instead we could have a meeting, we could have a standard that we agree upon. And, and that's what like all these open, you know, digital standards can do. But then what happens over the web two era or whatever you want to call it, we had these open standards. We saw they are working, the internet's working. And now these companies, they basically took those open standards and they streamlined them, right? They built them into a nice platform and they built it in such a way to where it's a lot easier for other people to use. But then over time, you're, you're re-centralizing, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, web one was, or just the web itself is the idea of, yeah, decentralizing communication and information. And we did that, but if you were like in the nineties running, uh, if you were on the internet, like in the late nineties, like you might have your own server. In fact, you probably did. And it was seen if, if you don't have a server, it was kind of seen like, oh, okay. So you're using someone else's server, like who's are you using? Right. Because there's, there's something called the client server model. Yeah. And you could basically just call that the master servant model. Right. And, and now, um, we don't own servers anymore. No one owns servers. We all have clients and the servers, they all live in Google. They all live in Apple, but it's all streamlined. It's easier to use for us, but it's now in their hands. Mm-hmm. And so that's web two. And you know, like all the VCs and, and they'll <laughs> say like, Oh, web three is we're, we're decentralizing again. It, yeah. I do agree with that, but I, I think it's for different reasons. I think it's because um, we're seeing the need for it, but also we have like an open digital money standard that we can all agree on. Um, I mean, just from a Bitcoin perspective of like, you just want to remove third parties, right? You want to remove right. risk um, and you want to, you know, not have to trust people if you don't have to, which, which you always do have to trust people. But, you know, if you're running your own Bitcoin node, like that's a start. But then if you're running your own Git server, Maybe you're hosting your own code, which me, that's probably what I'm about to do. Like this whole tornado cache thing came out of nowhere for me. And I've got all my code on GitHub and so nowhere how, else. How, how do we, as a Bitcoin community, at least in like me, like how do I help facilitate the decentralization of GitHub? Is that even possible at this point? I saw, I saw um, JB55 uh, literally put on there. He was like, we have control C to like copy everything. Yeah. Like I, that was an amazing tweet, but like how, how do we do that? Like how, how do, how, what do we do in that point? Like, how do I help do that? Like if, if I can, or I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a lot of little problems that you could point out in, in that whole stack of things. And, and really I'm probably not qualified to talk about all of them at a deep level, mm-hmm. but like where that question goes back to, to me is to, the developers into the ecosystem itself. Like really we need to have a bigger ecosystem of developers that, you know, just have the Bitcoin mindset. They're trying to build a parallel system that works that they don't have to trust anyone on. And we need more, more builders that are doing that. Um, like I know JB 55, like he, he was talking about bringing um, parts of GitHub. So kind of the oh, communication wow. and the updates parts of GitHub on the Noster. And it's like, hey, that's a great oh, idea. Oh, snap, dude. You know, and, and he might be doing that. Um, but we need like 100 more people like him that are all tackling all of these little problems around the edge to, you know, basically just allow us to be more and more independent um, could, could there builders. Be, could there be a way where we could like mirror GitHub as far as like Bitcoin developers and like um, 
at least the, the, the people that are building on lightning and is there a way to like, where you send a, a pull request or however that works? I'm not too familiar with GitHub myself, but like when you send like a pull request or you update your particular, um, page, like, is there a way for that to like mirror somewhere else? Like as a backup? Yeah. G great thinking. And that's exactly, that's probably the immediate next step for anyone who's like concerned about this. Um, you know, you can, there's, there's multiple sources where people host their code. GitHub is the biggest in the world, but then there's like Bitbucket and there's, oh, okay. um, so we have SourceForge. So we have places to, oh dude, SourceForge is an, an oldie. That's like back yeah. in the nineties. I think it's SourceForge. I might be, I might yeah. be getting mixed yeah, up. Yeah, no, no, that, it sounds about right. Yeah. But, but once again, those are centralized entities. Right. So the next step beyond that is actually like self-hosting yourself, which you could do, you know, something really simple and just say like, okay, let me get this hard drive and I'm just going to like clone all of my code repositories down, basically download them and just put them on the hard drive. Like, okay, that's one thing. But the, the next level would really be running your own Git server to where maybe you push mm -hmm. to GitHub, but you also push to your own server where you can host your own code yourself. You just need to get like start nine to like spin up all these like, <laughs> well, yeah, right. Like this is, this that would be cool. Actually. Oh, is it? Okay. Um, yeah. I forgot what service they use, but they have some kind of Git server, um, like a service app that's on there. But when it comes to like most people's umbral isn't ready yeah. to store all of their code. It has like, like maybe like what a gig in there, maybe two, I mean, not to gig, two terabytes of like storage maybe at that point. Yeah. And, your, and your base chain is going to take up 700, 600, 700. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, you're, you're kind of pushing it. And then with raspberry Pis, we're already kind of, we're, we're stretching the hardware stretching about the as far yeah. as it goes. This is where I go back to. We need to create our own hardware as Bitcoiners. Yeah. Please, somebody out there. Uh, CoinKite, let's do it. <laughs> like, yeah. Dude, I can't wait to like have a CoinKite phone. If like they ever go down that route, like I'm the first mm -hmm. one in line. Like I think if I think if CoinKite ever does a phone, we should do it like the old iPhones where we would like wait outside at this place <laughs> and like everybody camps out and it's like a CoinKite party where we're all like hanging out and like, uh, it's just like a big like release. And like, I, that's where I feel like in the Bitcoin space, like, man, I wish I was doing hardware because it would be like, I wouldn't make it a, a like a, a, an event. Like it, like it, like that's what these should be. Cause it's like, when you're, when you're, uh, when you're fighting against this like tyranny in the world and stuff like that, every time we release a new product or, or anything that, that fights against that, it needs to be seen like a public event that we're, we're fighting against, like we're, we're, we're for freedom and we're for freedom of transferring our own like internet money, right? And like, mm -hmm. that's where I think it would be really cool to see them do that. Like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bullish future. Like I wanna, I wanna manifest you know, that future, you know? You know where like, uh, you know where like, uh, like Star Wars or like the Matrix when it came out, like everybody would camp out and like that was a big thing. And then the yeah. iPhones did that. Like it should be that for Bitcoin hardware. Like we should treat it that special. Cause it is like, it's, it's a physical item. It should be that special. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it I could, can dream. Could be like that for Bitcoin software. I mean, we already celebrate well, like the we, having, right? Yeah. We do that for Pleb Lab. Like when we, when Lightning Escrow launched, we did the uh -huh. whole thing at Austin Bitcoin Club. And like we tried to, we did that for Oshi. We did Bitcoin Block Party. Like we tried to launch that. Um, so like, I think it's just getting the community involved to want to do it. Maybe it's just on, on us here in Austin just to like say, oh, the bulk card's being released. So 
let's all get behind it and like throw a party around the bolt card and we just do it like free and open source kind of thing as a community doing it. Yeah. Maybe we do it ourselves. Maybe that's the way to do it. Well, yeah. it, this is why we need lots of people like you as well, because a lot of the builders that, yeah, they know, don't have time to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And they, so, they just yeah. don't think about that stuff, but you, you're thinking about like the community and the art and like the movement and what it means. And that's important. I, yeah. Like that's how Apple even had the hype to have people wrapping around their store in, in a line mm -hmm. is because the design was there. In fact, they're obsessed with design and they're obsessed with like, you the, know, the, the look, message, the, the aesthetic, story, the the, all that thing. And like, uh, and that's where I think like we should move it in, in the Bitcoin space. We should all be moving towards that. And man, if there's anybody that out there that wants to do that, like reach out, I'll definitely help. Like I always help. So, yeah, man. So we talked about fold. Talked about we talked about a lot of things right yeah, off the we bat. Just, we just touched some really <laughs> heavy topics, but it's just it's just like it's on front of mind, right? It, it is. It's it's front of mind, and but for me, it just it always comes back to like like the the future that I want to help manifest is one where we have a thousand times more devs than there are today, and that we can take those people who are just on the sidelines and are wanting to contribute, and we can bring them into the ring. Because it's really hard to get into the, the ring as a new person if you're wanting to do Bitcoin development specifically. Like I'm on that path myself. Like I work as a developer at a Bitcoin company now, but I'm a front end engineer. Like I'm not doing what Super is doing necessarily, like building all of these apps with Bitcoin script and stuff like that. And so, and, uh, you know, I'm not the quickest learner either. I'm kind of I don't like. No, dude, you're pretty smart, man. Like, at least I've known you for what, like two months, it feels like at this point, maybe three. I don't, I don't know how yeah. long, but like, dude, you're pretty, pretty bright, man. I, I appreciate that. I, I talk a lot, but you definitely get me thinking code, about things where I'm like, like the other day we went, I don't mean to interrupt just real quick. Just okay, to yeah, this yeah. Up. The other day we went to for dinner and like, dude, what you had told me that night, I literally went home and like thought about it for like two <laughs> hours, just like listening to music. I was like, fucking Austin. <laughs> oh, you got me thinking now. And then like, anyway, keep going. Dude, no, that's, that's <laughs> awesome. Well, those are the things that I've thought about, you know, for a really long time. And um, when it comes into getting into like the deep technicals of Bitcoin and of lightning, that stuff doesn't just wash over me. It's like, it's a really effortful time to learn the inner workings, to learn the language, to learn the history and when you compare, if you're just trying to learn to be a developer or whatever, a Silicon Valley, work at a big tech company kind of developer, which is a, a fine goal. If you're trying to do that, then the developer ecosystem in big tech, it's, it's fluffy and it's soft and it's welcoming. And, you know, there's people that look like you and there's people that will help you out. And you can just start tweeting on Twitter and people will come and, you know, respond to you and help you out. But you get into Bitcoin dev. And it's a little more, it's, it's harsh, it's hard, it's intimidating. It's, uh, the, there's stuff on the line, right? There's, there's real world there's value real money on the line. Out there. <laughs> yeah. Um, like if you want to just build a whatever website, a, you know, to-do list app or something, you can go do that. But if you want to build um, some kind of lightning or Bitcoin app that, that uh, coordinates payments, on mainnet, like all of a sudden you're stepping into a ring where you're like, man, what am I, what am I putting myself at risk of? What am I putting my potential users at risk of? And you, you just get to this point to where there's no way around it. You have to really dive in and talk to a lot of people and learn from the ecosystem. But, but so like I'm on that path now, um, being here in Austin, 
it's helping me learn a lot quicker, but it's yeah, dude, you've still just been, a long way to go. You've been like, uh, and this is what we were kind of talking about it uh, the other night. It was just like, you've just been manifesting every dream you've had. And like, that's something that we like really click on, like yeah. really well is like, uh, I'm kind of like that too. It's like, I want to manifest things to come to life. And I, I spend a lot of time thinking about what I want to create. And then I just go and do it. Like, and that's all it takes. And when we were talking the other night, it was really, it was really interesting. Cause I was like, wow, Austin, like, thinks the same thing, mm-hmm. but like it's on another level. Cause you were, do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like what you were yeah. saying? Yeah. Let's yeah or at least your it. story and how you, how you got here to Austin, if that's okay. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, it, if you're on the internet there, there's lots of interesting ideas you might run into. And, and one that's like really popular, you see this word everywhere is manifesting, manifestation, all of that. And this word is a little bit tainted and this idea is a little bit tainted in my eyes because there's all of these very scammy pseudo spiritual books and, and figures and gurus and all of that that are around that are telling people the, this idea of manifestation that I don't really agree with, um, which is essentially, you know, you can, you can imagine something and affirm something. And um, if you believe in it hard enough, it'll come to pass. Like that's a little, that's a little bit simple, but what I found is that, um, for my journey, which I was in a much, much different place before I discovered Bitcoin, I I was able to make this huge journey to where I am now. And I, I was only able to do it through this obsessive focus, um, that basically over time flowered into something that was, you know, great enough of a force to where things in the real world started happening. Um, if you, if you read stories of just people's lives, if you read business books, if you read autobiographies, historical biographies, all of these things, like a lot of people that have done great things, they, uh, they have a few commonalities. And I noticed this at like, like one of the commonalities is obsession. Like, of course, they're completely obsessed with what they're trying to do. But another commonality is just how things fall together in their life story that just these random things fall into place. Like that this perfect pathway is kind of laid out by happenstance. And I would read, and this would be me like back in my old crappy house, like completely dissatisfied with my life. I'd be reading these stories and I would think to myself like, you know, why do these, why do these circumstances just play out for these other people like this? And, you know, like, what does that mean? What do I even glean from that? But as I dug more into just mindset in general and open, also open my mind to other ideas uh, and, and just let myself play with a lot of different ideas and experiment and see what the real world gives me positive feedback on. Um, I, I kind of just discovered that I mean, it, it is this combination of, of like this mental obsession and then action that, that brings about new things in the world. And, and so I guess not to speak abstractly, like for me, my journey was going from being someone who was like a, a high school dropout, um, hadn't been to school in 10 years, was poor. I was living in Oklahoma city and I discovered Bitcoin and learned about it, become obsessed, wanted so bad to be a part of it. And then basically walked out this very long journey alone, about three years alone of me trying to become a developer. 
in the hopes of, of reaching Bitcoin. And I saw the same dynamic play out in my own life. And it basically went in these steps, which is like, first I have this new idea for this identity that I want to become. And there's like who I am and who, who I see myself as. And then there's this other identity, like me as a developer, me as a Bitcoin developer. And I started just playing with that in my head. And then, um, you know, eventually I play around with this so much. I was like, I, need, I can't just think about this. I need to act on it. And then I started acting on it. I acted on it long enough. And then I, it replaced my self-image. And then all of a sudden, it's how I saw myself. But then that's just me and my own self, right? Mm -hmm. So I keep doing what I'm doing for a long time. And eventually the world around me started to change. Like all of my friends who used to see me as kind of the goofy one and the dumb one, because, you know, I would, I would play dumb to make jokes and, you know, whatever. They, they would just see me as the goofy person. They, they flipped and they started seeing me as like the nerd, the computer nerd, the smart, you know, the person who, whatever, brings up stuff that no one understands. And like the final level was when, uh, really when I was trying to get a job and then that's when the real world reflected back at me, like, Oh, you're a developer. Like, what are you saying? You're a developer. And, and it happened in such a weird way. Like in my first job where like my boss and my first job and my first tech job and my first week, you know, I was kind of expressing some doubts to her cause the, the week was going rough. And she was like, what do you mean, Austin? You're like such a great developer. Like you've been doing this for so long. Come on, just figure this out. And I was like, what me? Like, what, why are you saying that? And, and I realized that basically I was now in this world where everyone in my world was affirming that identity that originally started inside of my own head. And that's, that process is like the closest thing. I, the closest way I could describe it is manifestation, which you start with the image in your head and you're there once the world reflects that image back at you and, and tells you that that is true. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was a lot of my story get, getting into Bitcoin and getting here. It's such a beautiful story, man. Like, I don't know. I, I love like the same thing, the same thing that you had said, like where you were reading like, um, like these autobiographies and you're reading all these business books and you're doing all that stuff. Like I used to do that, like pretty much my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, I, I know, I know what you're talking about when you talk about like manifestation. I didn't, I, I always like, for me, I always did a thing where like, if I thought it was fun to do and if I thought it was like going to be a challenge, like I would go out and like set that goal and go do it. Uh, and that's kind of how I always did things. Mm -hmm. uh, and then when I met Kyle and Keon, it's like, now it's like, it's like, cool, what can we all do together? And like, who has the best idea, right? And then you have to fight for your ideas in that room, you know? Mm -hmm. So that's kind of cool. Um, another thing that used to drive me a lot, and it doesn't drive me as much anymore, but um, when I was getting my Cisco certification, like, you know, in the early 2010s, like, uh, I was working like, at, I think I was working at like at HostGator. It's kind of funny. I was like working at HostGator, which is like okay. a web company. And then they, they like, they didn't lay us off, but they like sent us to like a, a smaller one. Like, I think it was called like a, a small orange or something like that. It was like a small little web development, like hosting company or whatever. It was okay. the same stack and everything. It was just like something different. And so we had like a manager, me and my friend had like a manager there and me and him were like, yeah, let's go. 
Like we can get like a Cisco certification and we can leave this place and we can like go get like real IT jobs and we're not doing like just like web dev stuff. Like at least mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to do because it was like challenging. And then um, I would I would go on my break and I don't know if you've ever seen those Cisco books. Uh, I'll probably bring them in, but they're like, they're pretty thick, man. They're yeah, like, like phone book. They're like, it's like a phone book. And like, um, you really have to know your shit like um, to like, you really have to want to do it to like go through that. And like and like study it and like understand it all, and so I would go on my lunch breaks and like read it. And then my manager, he was such an asshole, dude. Like he literally came up to me and he's like, "Yo," he's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, um, "Studying for my Cisco certification." He's like, "Ugh, good luck with that, man." He's like, "That might be too hard for you." Like he what? literally told me that, dude. He's like, "That might did, be too hard for did you." That motivate you? Oh fucking yeah. Drew. Hell yeah. It drove me, dude. It like you asked my my ex-wife at that time. She was like, "Why are you upset?" And I was like, "I effing hate when somebody tells me I can't do something." Like yeah. and I don't know where I get that from. Um but when I look at like people like Kobe and Jordan and all those people who I had looked up to as a kid, like they had that same motivation. Like if you had told, like, I think Jordan's like known for like, he had gotten kicked off of the, uh, his freshman, uh, like, no, yeah, his freshman, like. Like basketball team? Yeah, his freshman basketball team at his high school, he, he like didn't make the cut. And he was like so upset. So he like literally like just like worked on his game or something like that. And then the next year, sophomore year, he just like excelled and like blew up and then went to North Carolina the rest is history. But like. I don't know where I get that from, but that's like, that used to be a big motivator for me was like when somebody like basically told me I couldn't do something. Cause so what happened is like after this, after like he told me that, dude, I went hard on that even more. Mm -hmm. Cause like, and then when I left and actually got like an IT job and then uh, I never said anything. Like this is Mm -hmm. a thing where I never like, most people won't even know they told me like they told me that, right? Mm-hmm. But he did, and I used it as motivation the entire time. And then it had gotten to a point where I finally left and started doing IT stuff. And then my friend was still working there, and he goes, he goes, "Yo, uh, what's his name?" Asked for you the other day. He asked me where you were working at, and I was like, "What did you tell him?" He's like, "Yeah, I told him you were doing IT." And he, and I go, "Oh, really? What did he say?" He goes, "Yeah, he was shocked." <laughs> and I was like, Dang. "And that was like, got him feel good." That was like two years later. Yeah. But it, yeah, it kind of, that kind of stuff. And that's happened to me multiple times in my life where like people like dared me to do something and then I went and did it. Um, I don't know. Does that motivate you? Those kind of things too, too? Oh yeah. You reminded me directly of um, when I was like the whole time going through my Bitcoin journey and trying to learn dev, I was still working my job at Jimmy John's. I was a delivery driver at Jimmy John's for six years. Wow. And I was a great delivery driver. I kind of said, <laughs> dude, Jimmy but, John's is good. I'm, I'm gonna have a weak spot for Jimmy John's. I don't eat it too much anymore, though. But yeah, it uh, it was all right though. It was a great job for learning because uh-huh. I was able to drive around all day, listen to the Bitcoin podcasts. I learned most of what I learned in my car, like during that job. So it was a blessing. But you know, the I was like the probably the most valued employee there as far as like I was there the longest people were always turning over I was there for 6 years I probably saw 2 300 employees join after me and then leave oh wow and you know so I know I knew the owner pretty well and like some of the managers and you know I would tell them I'm doing these things like hey I just 
like at first it was just like, Hey, I got my GED and it's like, I, I want to get into programming. And then it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm doing programming. It's like, Hey, I'm going to college. Hey, I dropped out of college. Now I'm going to boot camp. And, and it was just, they kept hearing stuff and hearing stuff for so long and, and they didn't believe me and really cast doubt on me about it. And they didn't pay me well enough either. Like I remember asking for a raise after like I did all of this extra stuff. I pulled the numbers and showed them that I was the fastest driver and like the whole franchise. And I was asking for like a 50 cent raise. And they're like, no, we, we can't do that. We're, we're paying you too much. And I was making nine fifty. now. Wow. Yeah. And when I finally w- put in my two weeks, like I was, they were pretty shocked and I was stoked. Once again, like you, I didn't say anything, but it was like <laughs> in my head, it's like in my head, I've built you up as my enemy and I want to just like crush you. Do you, you. think that's like a psychopathic thing about us? It sounds I, like, do I you think, think that's like psychopathic or do you think that's more like, just how we grew up. Cause I know me and you have talked about that before. Uh-huh. We kind of have like similar, like how we grew up and stuff. Like, do you, do you think that's where that comes from? The, the, the hard nosed place that we came from. Do you think that's what it was? Maybe. I think it's more of being just like a man. Oh, like, okay. Honestly, okay. Like you're like a lot of the ways that you frame thing as a man are like rivalrous. I guess you would say, uh, yeah. Like you need to build up an enemy of some kind. Um, interesting. And like, yeah, manifest that like enemy archetype in your world. Even though somehow, it's not somewhere. real and they don't even care. And it was an offhand comment or something. Yeah, right? exactly. And, and I've even noticed that myself where it's like, I've noticed in the past, like I have this mentality, but really, if I think about it, I don't have any enemies. Like no one wants ill harm on me, really. Like I have people I don't like, but I don't have any enemies, but I have this mindset that's just like, in war all of the time. <laughs> and I mean, that's, that's the way it's gotta be. I mean, that's, that's how you get someone out of their seat. And, and that's what Bitcoin did to me. Like I was not going to change. I was not going to do anything different. Um, and Bitcoin, like discovering Bitcoin, it just, it shook me right out of all of that stuff in a way that I couldn't, um, I couldn't have found otherwise. And I think I said this to you other, the other night, like something that's amazing about Bitcoin. It's like you can move a lot of things in this world. Like you can flatten a mountain like we've done it. But to change a person, that's actually uh, one of the hardest walls that you can run up against. It's kind of like what we were talking about the other day, right? It's like almost like religion in a, in a way where it like it literally fundamentally changes that individual just like an, a relig- religion would. Uh, and so, yeah, it's kind of a touchy subject. We don't have to keep going down that rabbit hole, but it's mm-hmm. interesting how it has that same effect on people. Um, and I always thought that was like the cool thing about Bitcoin was yeah. that it did put this mirror to you and it made you fundamentally change like who you are because it's, um, at the end of the day, it's, uh, I think Dono says it best. It's like, you see this beautiful, this, this, you see this window and it's a beautiful window and it has like all the great things Bitcoin could provide in this, like through this window, you see it. Mm-hmm. And then at some point you decide to like go through it. And in order to live in that world, you have to like self-reflect and like better yourself and like fully commit to living in this world. And it's like a, and once you adopt that kind of frame of mind, that like mental adjustment, whatever it is you have to do to like live that life forward, it really makes a fundamental change to you. And, all, and, and how you perceive the world and how people view you. Mm-hmm. And I think like when Dono told me that, I was like, yeah, dude, that like, that makes sense. Like that totally makes sense. Yeah. So. No, definitely. 
so much truth in there. Um, and I mean, I, I think on the, the religion thing, I love how John Vallis frames it. And he's, he oh, talks what did about, he, say? he talks about value hierarchies all the time. And, and that's, that's a good, and maybe this actually comes from Peterson or something like that, but that's a good way of framing. Cause it's like value itself. Like we have certain values and in order to take action on something, you have to value that something over another. If I pick up my water and take a drink, I value that more than just sitting here and chilling. And so you've got this stack of values, your value hierarchy or whatever, and whatever's on the top significantly influences a lot of your behavior. And you have something like Bitcoin that comes along, which is, you know, value manifested in energy, uh, energy and information. And you introduce this to someone and like you introduce this to someone like me, like how I was five years ago, you know, I, d I didn't think about my future. I was very uh, left wing and socialist, very nihilistic and hopeless. And um, all of a sudden, like I find Bitcoin and I see that there's a future out there for me that's where like all the things I want, I could have. And, and I don't mean that like, possessions like material possessions but it's just like the things i want to be creative to build to be around community um to help people that like that that bright future was there and that it seemed like it was actually a better world and you just learn more and learn more and then that image that you build up that window that you're looking into of what could be just becomes more clear and then all of a sudden you look around where you are and you're like what this sucks like I would rather go on that dangerous journey, whatever it is, or go into the unknown um, than stay here. And that's like the power of, you know, I think certain things in, in this world really carry that power to where they'll completely rearrange someone's value hierarchy. Um, and yeah, I mean, you look at addicts as well, like addiction is something that is best solved by religious transformation or religious experience. Um, like someone needs to completely shed all of their old life and their habits. And then they have to spend years essentially rebuilding their brain, trying to live a normal life and trying to recreate those positive dopamine feedback loops versus the negative substance-based ones that they had before. And I think that's kind of how it is going like from fiat into Bitcoin, like all of your fiat hopes and fiat dreams and fiat values you see Bitcoin and then they're just like cardboard cutouts. They're just not the same thing anymore. And that's what I noticed. Like I cared about equality and I cared about the climate and all of these things. And then Bitcoin showed me that like, okay, I do actually care about these things, but these ideas I had of how to address them or how to think about them just seems so fake now. And Bitcoin actually better manifests all of those values that I have than anything else I've ever discovered. So you know, if you really come to that point, it's kind of foolish to not jump all the way in. And so I, I knew I had to do that. And my biggest question that's been answered more and more is like, if this is happening to me, how many others are going through the same yeah. thing? And if this can happen to me, how many others could this happen to? And you go from that and then we, we get to the developer thing. And that's where I find myself like I'm manifesting this new vision, this new idea idea and identity where you know like i i see a future with a million pleb devs that they're not the most <laughs> amazing awesome. 10x developers they're not all super testnet 
but they do their part and they're passionate and they made that journey and they're contributing to the ecosystem. And then all of those built and not just developers, like that's my focus. There's, there's artists and writers and designers and all sorts of people that but come along on that ride. Yeah. But it's just like, those are the people I think about that are trying to make that journey. And it's also like, I want to live in that future where we've got a thousand amazing free open source software projects around Bitcoin that just give us all of these capabilities that we never had before. Uh, you, you know, like the stuff we were talking about earlier, GitHub, um, you know, every way that you can send value, value for value, everything, value for value, internet, like lightning native in every browser, like everyone can has nodes at home or servers that they self host all of their important uh, private services and stuff like that. Like that future, if we get there, we're going to get there because there's a million devs that are passionate and they're all seeing the same thing and they're all building towards that vision. And so I want to be a part of that, but like, I want to, I think you're inspiring some right now that that are probably listening out there. I mean, well, they, they hit me up. They have hit you up. Yeah. I've, I've gotten many, many inquiries. Uh, I did a podcast with John Vallis three or four months ago. Really? Where like John Vallis? Yeah, it was very random. I, I never- How did that happen? Tw- uh, I don't know, fate, Twitter. <laughs> like Boss. He, was, he was just looking, he has these cool episodes where he just talks to a random pleb. Yeah, he did that with Kyle last year when we were just starting out. That I watched really, that. That really put us on in the early days. That was, that I wa- no, it did. I watched that when it came out I, uh, and- you know, that was one of the many signals along the way that just had Austin just like burning in my head as the place to be. So were you following us back then too, Austin? I followed you as soon as you joined TFTC as a producer. Uh-huh. Like as soon as they tagged you, I was like, oh, who's this dude? Cool. I'll follow him. And then I followed Kyle like after, right after that John Vallis episode. Oh, wow. So I followed both of you and I was watching as Austin and you Bitcoin re- Club. And then you realize that you're like, these guys know each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I also realized like these guys are doing exactly what I want to be doing or like uh-huh. they're building exactly where I want to be. And uh, like, that's what made me realize even more. I, I had to get here. Um, what do you think about the new space, dude? Dude, you, you know what I think. I've been no, gushing tell me, about tell it. Me, for tell me, what do you think all about week. it? Tell all the, tell all the future pleb devs. What do you think about the new space? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's a, it's just like a cool space. It's here on sixth street or right in the heart of Austin. I mean, you feel that, like that energy here. Like I feel it every time I'm walking here. Um, but like for me, I mean, I was telling this to Jana last night. I was like, you know, what, what they've done is so amazing. Cause I don't know if there's been another accelerator like this that's ever existed before, as far as accelerators where, you know, you, are making kind of a small startup ecosystem and bringing in builders and hoping to create value. Those usually only get started from either people who've already had successful exits and they're super rich, you know, VCs, <laughs> uh, companies will do it. Like the company itself will create a space or just like people that have access that have money. to a ton of investors <laughs> yeah. that have money, right? Like you guys had no money. You had very little connections. You bootstrapped it all. And it's like that, uh, if you've heard the old sales, like, I don't know, whatever, allegory, where you start with a paperclip and you try and trade your way up to a car. Have you ever heard, <laughs> heard 
heard that, like that sales allegory. Yeah. I think I've heard that on Craigslist. Somebody did that, right? Yeah. Yeah. You like get a paper clip and then you're like, okay, you what's something slightly it. more valuable that I can like persuade someone to trade me this for? <laughs> and you work your way up to a car. Well, that's essentially what you all did. You had no freaking money and you started something that's not even a company that's like generating profit, like, uh, you know, soon you started something that's allowing other people to come in and be free and build. And you went from like zero to this amazing commercial space and just getting from where you were to here is like incredible. I don't know if anyone's done it, at least in this no. exact category. Yeah. And then far beyond, like I'm just more and more bullish. The things that we can do here is going to yeah. be amazing. Just to speak on that real quick. Cause yeah. like, there was a lot of people that helped along the way. And I want to be absolutely clear about that. Like uh, totally. Parker Lewis, Jimmy Song, Marty Bent, Matt O'Dell, um, Nifty Nay, Justin Moon, Ben Carmen, Tone. Like I can go down the list, bro. Yeah. Like a lot of people in Austin helped us get off the ground um, in the early days. And um, they supported us even when they probably shouldn't have. And so Unchained Capital, man, fucking... Yeah. Love those people there. Um, and so like that, that's, that's where I say like, it would have been different had like, we would have went out there and tried to do something as plubs. Cause I don't, I don't know if like um, there was anybody had ever done that before. I don't know. Was there a social, was there, a, I was just so focused on Austin. Was there, was there like a, a pleb meetup before we started Austin Bitcoin club or were we the first ever to do that? I always thought there was just like bit devs, but I don't remember there ever being like a social club. Yeah, I don't remember. I feel like they're so prominent now that it's almost like I can't remember before. At the time, I just remember like back in February, March, I had this vision was like, I'm just going to start a social club. I just want to, I don't want to do it by myself because I'm not the guy to talk. Right. And mm -hmm. I just started looking for the right person. I had asked like two more people before Kyle and I felt that they were the right people and they just weren't it. And then, cause they said no. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then Kyle was crazy enough and said like, you know what? I think this guy's kind of crazy, but uh, he's a Bitcoiner and sounds like he knows what he's going to do. And me and Kyle hit it off right away. Then I met Keon in Miami and then like the rest is history. But I do realize like what we did in under a year is like next to impossible. I do realize that. Like I, kn I know that now at the time I didn't know it, but like, like coming in here now and like seeing Plub Lab, like a real lab, it's uh, it hits even harder now. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I would just say, yeah, a lot of people helped along the way that probably shouldn't have, but we got very lucky <laughs> because I think they knew and we, like we know now, like our heart has always been in the right place. And that's the thing about me, Keon and, and Kyle is like, we're all very, uh, open and honest and like upfront about things. And there's like, we're we all keep each other in check. And this is why I always go back to this triangle offense that we run here at Pleb Lab is like, that's why it works is because you're running a triangle offense and like it's three different personalities. Like it's a, it's a technical brilliant dev like Keon. It's a, a natural born leader, all the biz stuff that he can get done and Kyle. And then there's like the media, the marketing and all the artistic stuff that I do. And like when you bring those three heads together, it, it like really makes this triangle offense run the correct way. And I think, I think if there's people out there listening and they're trying to figure out how to do a plug lab, I would say get those three people first and then everything will, will fall into place. But yeah. 
I think to my to my point, I knew where I was I was at. I literally just needed to find the leader. And then once I found the leader, it was like, cool, now we need a technical dev. Like me and Kyle both knew like we need a technical guy. And then that's when we found Keon. And then at the after that, we knew what we were doing at that point. And I think at this point, um, we definitely operate a lot different than we did in the early days. Like we all have our own little kind of like uh, avenues where we work in our own pockets as far as Plub Lab. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I do think now it's just like, we just knock stuff out. Like we just, just keep working and just keep being open like, like Bitcoin. And, and that's all we got to do. As long as we're open like Bitcoin, as long as we keep doing what we've been doing, we'll be fine. It's yeah. when we start playing close to the chest and start being like, you know, assholes or stuff like that, that it'll probably get in trouble. But like, that's why it's, there's, if you just keep doing what we're doing, should be fine. Like, that's how simple I see it. And I don't know, people will probably be like, it can't be that simple, but it, it kind of is like, just be open like Bitcoin, help out where you can contribute where you can do the right thing. Like it's all in the Bible. It tells you right there, like, it's really simple. Yeah. And like, that's what I love about like Bitcoin is like, um, it's just proof of work and it's proof of work in your, in your, in your real life. And then it's proof of work in your virtual life. And then it's proof of work, you know, inside of you and you have to work to get better and stuff. So yeah. Shout out to Francis too. He was an, he was a big one. Francis was like yeah. the first one that really believed in us. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, obviously you got all those people that we all like know and trust, or at least know and trust a lot of them. And you get them all aligned. It's like, they, they all saw the same thing. They saw that you were genuine and um, they believed in you all and it's paid off. Uh, what you were saying about like the trio of you three, it, it reminds me of um, Y Combinator, you may know is like the biggest startup accelerator in the world. And they've got these huge courses and whatever. A few years back, I was trying to start uh, a project to basically graduate into a startup. And so I was going through the Y Combinator bootcamp and, you know, they've got all of these lessons and all these philosophies to help guide you starting a company. But like something they talk about with like a founding team, like what do you need of founding team? And they had this like kind of quirky saying that you need to have, you need to have a hacker, a hustler and a hippie. <laughs> you need to have a hacker. Hustler, they and said hippie. that. Yeah. Really? And, and that's basically their way of saying like, you need to have a, a hacker, someone who's like very technical and knows how to think in that engineering mind. You need to have a hustler, someone that can make the sales, someone that can do the negotiating, do the pushing. And then obviously you're the hippie, right? <laughs> you know, what's funny. You know where I got the idea from? Where? I've never said this before. So if anybody's listening, this is free alpha. Okay. There's no such thing as free alpha. There's no such thing. Uh, got it from Joe Lubin. Joe Lubin. Who's that? Uh, he's a Ethereum founder. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. You want me to explain why? Yeah. 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 So like, I used to be in the crypto space. I used to work in that area because I had like crypto background. Like that's what I did. Um, And so I would go to like consensus. I'd go to Brooklyn. I'd go to all these like fucking, uh, I'm sorry to cuss. Sorry, God. Uh, I'm trying to get better. I've been bad about this lately. I don't know why. What's come over me? It's because you're hanging around with these animals. (laughs) Probably. I need to inspire them. Uh, Yeah. yeah. So I would go to all these crypto events and I would get invited to them. And then you'd start doing interviews with these people. And then as you started doing interviews with these people, you kind of get to know them better. 
And then you would start hanging around in their little cliques and you would understand how this whole ecosystem worked. And for me, one of the things that caught my attention was like how, how Joe Lubin was able to build his kind of uh, infrastructure in place. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize this. And this is like, this is all we did is just recreate the, the Joe Lubin model, but on Bitcoin. And this is where like, I, me personally, I can separate the man from the, 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 his business, right? If that makes sense. Like I, we all know these things about Ethereum and all this stuff like that, but I can, I can separate those two things and like look at how he structured things. Yeah. And so he literally structured like consensus. I don't know if you know what consensus is, but it's, it's like this, like, um, I guess it's like an incubator or they like, they like do development or whatever like that. But then they had the Ethereum foundation and the Ethereum foundation gave him a lot of money. So he literally spent all this money just that he funneled it into building these developers in consensus. And then they would go and build all the apps and stuff. Yeah. And then like, literally he, um, he had another media company. So he had a media company called decrypt. And so he would funnel all his, like all his developers in there. And so when I would see all that and see how it all worked and like, see basically how the sausage was made, I was like, that's interesting. How do I do that in Bitcoin? So when I was like last year, like in February, March, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to start Austin Bitcoin club. And then I met Kyle, then I met Keon. And I was like, wait a second. I, th- I think we just accidentally created the Joe, Luc- Joe, uh, Joe Lubin model, but on Bitcoin mm. because we had Austin Bitcoin club. Um, and then all of a sudden me and Keon had been talking about doing like a hacker house. And then I was like, I was like, wait a second. This is like, kind of like, cause Kyle came in and he was like, yeah, this could be a, a accelerator or whatever. And we were like, we don't even know what that is. We just want to make a hacker house. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no, we could do this, this, and this. And I was like, oh, so like you would literally, it's like consensus. It's like, you're building a consensus. And then I already had Thriller Bitcoin, but like, so I had Thriller Bitcoin. So I was already doing like free and I still do free, like, like whatever. Cause I don't care. I just want to support my ecosystem and Austin Bitcoin club. I don't care because I just want to support my ecosystem. Yeah. And then we did Plub Lab because we don't care. We just want to support our ecosystem. So we didn't have any money to do it. But when you start doing things, the, I don't want to say the correct way, but when you start doing things out of just giving and out of like um, free and open, and like helping people, people gravitate to that, man. And like, this is where I think the Bitcoin space needs to understand, like you can be free and open with these ideas and like, like all this stuff, like there is no competition. If anything, we need to make more Pleb Labs and it doesn't need to be called Pleb Lab. It just needs to be called whatever you're gonna call it. Like we need more of them because like, if we don't, Bitcoin's gonna lose and it's gonna lose not only to Ethereum, like it's gonna lose against to the, the the fiat world that we're in. And like, this is where like, for me, it's about the bigger picture. It's never been about the small picture. It's never been about like, how does Pleb Lab dominate the world? F that dude. I don't care if we don't make it past five years. I mean, technically I wanted to make it past five years, but you know what I mean? We just need to inspire, inspire enough people to where they're gonna go and go off and do it the same way. Mm-hmm. And like, once they start doing that, then we can probably, really help out developers in a whole nother way, yeah. right? Because then there's like these little hacker hubs in all these different places around the world. And then people can go and learn and gravitate towards it. And like, that's just how simple I saw it. It was just like, it was plain as day to me. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah. that's, that's smart. I mean, you're paying attention and, and yeah, like you want to look at what are your competitors doing? What are, or just like, what has worked? Why did it work? 
And, and this is a, a lot of the same like analysis you were doing is how I've thought about the developer ecosystem, which is maybe a little bit more narrow than how you were thinking of it and fo and focus. But like when you look at Ethereum and Solana and just all the shit coins, like these, the developer ecosystems they have, many of them are bigger than Bitcoin. Um, and it's because they pay them with their tokens and, yeah. and, and in Bitcoin, you, you can't pay anybody. I mean, you can a little bit of, you can do sats and hopefully that'll rise with time. And I think that will, but when we started doing this, you know how you do that? When you, I'm asked, asking, you asked for money. <laughs> no, no, no. You literally, like, cause we didn't have any money to do all this in the uh -huh. beginning. You, cause you had said we never did anything, but you know how you do that? You literally just beat them on the playing field. Like you make it cooler. You have better ideas. You uh, inspire. You, you, um, you do something so profound that they can't ignore you. Mm -hmm. Like that's how you beat Ethereum. That's how you beat the fiat world. And like Marty always talks about it all the time on the pod. Like, it's like, you literally just have to show and like mock them and why they look like that. It's like, um, it, it, uh, it, it makes sense. Like you just have to be better than them on the field. Like it, yeah. it's that simple, create better art create better marketing, create better apps. That's all it is. You create a better product, you create a better thing, then everybody will use it. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? And so like, it's that simple. Has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with connections. Just be better than the Ethereum developers. Be better than the fiat world. Like make better products. Yeah, get and good. Get, get great. Good, I would say get great yeah. and like utilize all of us to help you get to this great, product and like that to me is the is the fundamental thing that we try to do here at plub Lab is like get people to rise to the occasion of like let's just go after this like high bar probably not gonna hit it but we should at least come pretty close to it because if we can get there man then we can really start doing things and i think if other i think if there's more plub labs i start building out hopefully they take all this advice that i'm giving right now um or just reach out to me i'll, I'll I'll tuck you under the table <laughs> with this kind of stuff, but yeah, man, I, I definitely agree. And, and I think it's the case. It's like, it's really one of the core arguments for Bitcoin over everything else. It's like, we're working on more important things. The faster will come the, you know, the DeFi will come the whatever like application capabilities you want to have with, you know, with, with Bitcoin, like it will come. But we're building it in layers. We're building it in a way that we think that it will be completely robust and, you know, be able to last a thousand years. So it's like, it's going to take a little while and we kind of just got to let the, what do they say? The wheat separate from the chaff or I don't know. Yeah, we have to, we, yeah. we just have to let the signal rise to the top and, you know, Bitcoin is a signal. And I, I think lightning and what's going to be enabled on lightning, I think is I, I can't wait for that moment when we can show everyone that we can do everything that they said web three and DeFi was, but we're doing it on Bitcoin. Um, and we're doing it without making the trade-offs that they said had to be made. And yeah, like that's, you know, that's where we win, but yeah, like we got to bring people along for the ride and that's what you're doing. And, and that's one of the main reasons I'm here. I mean, I, like I heard about Austin and knew I wanted to go, go to Austin originally because of Parker and how he was talking yeah. about it. You That's know? why Kyle came here. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, he was saying like he, he was saying in 2019, this is manifesting, you know, that Austin's going to be the Bitcoin Mecca. He and, manifested it. All right. Yeah. And I, I heard that. I bet you he's time. regretting it now because like we have like events every day. <laughs> yeah. Shout out Parker Lewis. I love that guy. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I knew I wanted to come here, but and, you know, was telling my wife and making all these plans. But it was still that was 2019. Right. I only just got here two months ago. So it took a little while, but I was always watching, always thinking, always planning. But um, you know, I was worried of like, when I get here, you know, how do I get involved? Like, how am I going to meet people? I know there's bit devs, but I don't understand most of the stuff they're talking about a bit devs. Like I'm not a super developer yet. I don't have a, a super ton of value to add yet. Like, what is it going to look like? How am I going to meet people? Cause I just wanted to connect with other Bitcoiners so bad. Like I was alone for four and a half years, essentially on my Bitcoin journey, never got to talk to anyone else in person about it. Well, I talked to people about it, but no one else who was into mm -hmm. it or nearly as much as I was. And the, when I started seeing you and Kyle and Austin Bitcoin Club and this new just community of people talking online and seeing that like, oh, wow, people are hanging out outside of BitDevs. People are like just, you know, getting dinner and they're doing these other events. And now there's Austin Bitcoin Club and like, oh, now they're building Club Lab. And then... That's when it was for me, it's like, oh, this is directly what I want to be around that, that, that developer development essentially. And you know, that me and my wife, we showed up here, uh, you know, moved into our apartment. And two days later we went to the first event we found on telegram. <laughs> oh yeah. And you won a, uh, was that where you won? Well, that was the, actually the third event I went to in uh -huh. one week. So like the first week I met with Bitcoin, like first week here, we met with Bitcoiners like five times, but the first meetup was just at Shiners and it was just like Kyle and uh, <laughs> like a few other plebs, Constantine, it was one of his first times there. Oh yeah, I love Constantine. And we just kind of showed up and we were like super shy. We were like, hey, like you guys are Bitcoiners, like what's up? And, and they were just like, yeah, come sit down and, you know, got into it all night. And then we've just been... Hanging part out of the tribe since. ever since. Yeah. And Dang, it's, it's amazing. Awesome. And it's just like, that's this place that we're in right now. Like it's, everything is so open for. That's how it what, works. Yeah. Whatever you have to offer, like there's a place for you. I mean, even if it's not here in Austin, but somewhere in Bitcoin, there's a place for you to kind of just step up and, and start doing something and people will support you. They will. And people will notice, especially yeah. if you got that proof of work, you do it for long enough. And so yeah, that's, that's what I'm excited to see. Just all this development, people leveling up and they that's level up thing, enough dude, to help other people level up. That one thing shocked the crap out of me was the leveling up that happens. Mm -hmm. You just hit on that, dude. Um, and I, I've been seeing it. And I, I think me and Kyle and Keon had noticed it last year when we had just a smaller pub lab. And so we started seeing all the leveling up in the room just because you have these, these big brains, right? And they're just like, and I'm dumb as rocks, right? And then here I go, like leveling up my intelligence about Bitcoin uh, and, and like software and all these things. And then what happens is you see like a new dev come in, like a Tristan, right? When he came in last year, like he leveled up really fast. And I was like in four weeks. And that's the thing I think is like the most shocking thing to me was like, it obviously makes sense in retrospect, but looking back on it now, it's like, Oh yeah, of course they would level up by coming to Austin and like hanging out with people who are doing the same things that they're doing. 
It, mm. it makes sense. Like you would just naturally like be inspired and, and like reach out for help. And of course everybody's going to help. So yeah. I don't know. That's kind of cool how that happened naturally. It's that human contact. You know, we need it. We've been online in our own dark corners for so long, yeah. yelling back and forth at each other and just being super disagreeable. And like, that's not like that's necessary. And that has its place. It's had its place. But I think the future is communities. The future is church and like churches. Like I've, I've, I've had to redefine or rethink of what church actually means. Like 200 years ago, what did church mean? It meant you in your local community. Yeah that you would would set this time to get together and kind of like affirm with each other and remind each other and just all together point towards a higher value system together. Mm-hmm. And you make the community stronger and you build trust. And, uh, you know, and really that's a lot of what, how we got here right. is building up those communities from the ground up. And we've lost touch with that. We're all globalized now. We're all top down in our communication. We're tweeting at each other. But it's like there's real people here. Um, you got to create in Austin and other yeah, places. You got to build out in the open. And I think I think maybe it's Carmen that says that all the time. I forget who says it. Who's who is it that tells me that? But it's like you got to build out in the open. Probably Keon. Probably Keon, right? It's like build out in the open, and like and then everybody will see what you're working on, and like you can learn. Somebody will reach out to you, and it's like do more of that. And like the, that's what I try to do in my little small little you know sandbox that I do. Is like I try to just build out in the open and like see where I can help out. Um, and I think I think it works. Yeah. I think it works. It does. That was a hard switch for me to make as well as learning how to talk about myself and how to like document my journey and stuff like that. Cause I was I didn't have any big I, I was on Twitter for years, just kind of lurking Bitcoin Twitter. I, I didn't have anyone following me and didn't really say much, but wanted so badly to be a part of things. But it's like, how, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? And really the answer how was just take years to step up to the call, do the hard work. But at a certain point, I realized that like, I need to just be talking to people. Like I need to let people know who I am somehow and what I'm trying to do and document that. And that's where I came up with like my Twitter name, Bitcoin Club Dev. Yeah, because it's like name. that's how I can frame myself in a way that feels comfortable. It's like I'm not Bitcoin Dev. I'm not an expert. I am a pleb that turned Dev. That turned Dev, <laughs> and I'm on the journey. And yeah, like, I, that's cool. I mostly just have a lot of questions and just a lot of encouragement and like gushing to do. With, have you talked with to people. Justin Moon about your journey at all? Have you talked to Justin yet? Uh, I've talked to Justin a little bit, but he's. I remember in the early days he talked a lot about that. How he started. He got inspired yeah. the same way where he just started. You know, learning Bitcoin just like that. Just yeah, like, well, uh, back then, I don't think there him. was. I don't think there was a pleb um, that was like. I don't think that was a word back then. But it, he was just like yeah. a regular Bitcoiner, and then he became like a. And then now he is who he is now, right? It's like he's a he's a big deal, and like I remember seeing Justin like in the early days of Austin, and I remember thinking like, who is this guy? He's like he's like an otherworldly force, <laughs> and so whenever we were doing like Bitcoin plus plus. I was so just like focused, but I was so like, had a lot on my plate. And like, at that time I would just go outside and I'd smoke a cigarette. And then all of a sudden, like Justin would come over and he would be like, what's going on car? 
You're like, <laughs> do this, 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 and this. And then he'd be like, and he just like give me like the the wisdom that I needed. He did like three, he did that like three or four times. Wow. Yeah. And like, and it was just random spots that we would see each other. He would just tell me. And then he was telling me all his like his own things. And um, and then afterwards, remember when we had that party mm-hmm. at the at Shiners yeah. uh, for Bitcoin Plus Plus. And like when I went over there to to Justin, he's like, You did it. You're at you're at the finish line. You did yeah. it. <laughs> he was like, Was it worth it? And I was like, Hell yeah, it was worth it. Like it was so worth it. And he's like, Awesome. That's sick. But like that's who Justin is, dude. Yeah. I want to talk to him more about his journey. I'm curious. Like I've seen, I saw some of his early stuff. Like he had like an early Bitcoin yeah. course in Python, but yeah, he did a he whole like the course and everything. He did a whole course and everything. Yeah. Um, but you know, you see that like someone that goes through that, uh, like Justin, like you come out the other side, you want to be the mentor, like, cause mm-hmm. you're walking a hero's journey and that's, that's how it ends. You go you know, you answer the call to adventure, you go do your whole adventure thing. But then after that's all done, you do this. That step is called return the boon. You basically yeah. like take what you've learned, take what you've gotten and you return it to the community. At first, you're leaving the community for your call to adventure. Then you come back around and you bring back more than what you've taken. And wow. I think that's what everyone like. At least guys like that's what we want to do. I feel like, yeah, I feel like maybe that's what everybody's doing. Maybe that's what everybody was doing in the early days when we were trying to do things um, just as like crazy Bitcoiners. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's what that was, right? There was like, they're giving back. Yeah. I'm sure that's what it was. I never, we never had those conversations because we're men and we don't have those, <laughs> those kind of conversations, but maybe that's what that was. Interesting. I mean, it's, yeah, like people... Like I have a certain knack, like I really care about, uh, I don't know. I like, it sounds cringe to me to say like mentoring others. Like, no, I just, I like yeah, to Yeah, Bitcoiners don't say that, but like, yeah, I know I what like you're to trying to say. I like to connect with other people and like help them and encourage them. And like, I found that out really quick when I was learning dev. Cause like I became like at my boot camp, I became a team lead and started helping students who were just starting to program, like started helping them through the curriculum and stuff like that. And then like, I talked to a bunch of alumni afterwards, helped people get jobs, like helped people with different stuff. And I found like such like satisfaction in it, but also just, I saw myself in those people and I knew like, I've been through this crazy journey and it was so hard and oh my God, I can't believe I got through it. So like, okay, let me give you a hand. Like, so you can at least avoid this mistake. Yeah. And I think everyone has that in them. They want to they wanna give back, especially if they've been through something hard and especially if they can help someone from making the same mistakes that they did. So that's yeah. how we get there. We're, we stand on the shoulder of giants. Even yeah. Satoshi himself, he took the best ideas from- he Made the bedrock. The br- brightest <laughs> minds before him. Yeah. Man, dude, what a, great, what a great time to be alive. Yeah. Man, the good times, good times are rolling. Um, we got to go do, I got to go do bit, uh, uh, lit devs. Yeah. Um, are you excited for lit devs tonight? I am. Yeah. Yeah. What are you looking forward to? Uh, I don't even know what we're doing, but do you, <laughs> you know, Warren Tagami? Warren, Warren, Warren. Why he's, have I heard that name? He's working on pure swap. He works at, okay. uh, uh, core lightning. Okay. Uh, uh, sorry. Uh, oh, is Lockstream. he making a special guest appearance tonight? Yeah. He was, he was here last time as well. Okay. He's, I missed it. I was in Nashville. Yeah. This dude is like. 
he's next level developer. Like he helped found and develop Fedora, which is one of the biggest um, Linux distributions in the world and one of the most well-supported ones. And like, he's all about ThinkPads, (laughs) like ThinkPad laptops for everything. And I bought a ThinkPad from him like three weeks ago or something. And he's just been messaging me like constantly, like all this information <laughs> that like I hardly understand. That's awesome. And he's going to do a live demonstration tonight where he like puts a SSD inside. Uh, he's going to use my laptop to like put an SSD inside and show how you can like add your own SSD in order to basically be able to use it as a node. Nice. Because um, that's what I'm going to be using my for, mine for is like a... Uh, my new lightning node. That's so cool. We have uh, XFrog sent in, shout out XFrog. He sent in the, the mixer that we needed. So we're running new sound. Uh, oh, I, was testing yeah. it, I was testing it out before we came here. And then um, yeah, hopefully everything, fingers crossed. Are you going to get the soundboard? We're going to get a soundboard? Well, dude, like- it's pretty legit, dude. Like XFrog like really picked something really sweet. So I can't wait to play with it when we get over there. But um, yeah, we should probably wrap this up so I can head over there. Yeah, uh, man, we sure. got to do a part two though. Always down. Uh, there's like, there's even more we probably could have gone into. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man, could talk all day. Yeah, we could talk all it's day. It's cool to finally be on. Hell yeah, dude. Like, I, I loved, I love conversating with you, Austin, because, um, I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot that when we when we hang out that doesn't need to be said, but like we both know if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I feel that. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'll end it right there.